something outside. What is that? Welcome to Monster X Radio. This is Gunnar Monson. As many of you probably know, I am also the founder of the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it Yeti? You can go to our website, www.squatchcoffee.com, and check it out. Um, it's funny because this week I saw a, a meme uh, that somebody put out. You know, we've started, Monster X has now started our own membership deal. Yes, you uh, can come inside, and we've put together a bunch of new content and uh and yes, it, there is a, a what we feel is a nominal monthly fee to to uh, access all that content. But somebody somebody put up a meme of and and they referenced the fact that you know I, I sell coffee. Um, the reason that I, I even started something you know Sasquatch Coffee Company was because I had an interest in Bigfoot. I've been into the subject for a long time. It was funny that there's you know. Uh, Drama and Bigfooting. We were talking about that. Um, I, you know, I belong to a bunch of Bigfoot groups, and and I actually have the pleasure of of belonging to a, a group where we're that has a couple of folks that that uh, have. I don't want to expose them because they're they're doing it. Um, we're doing it on the QT. You know, it's just to discuss the subject. But they have um, intimate knowledge of of primates and. Uh, um, and have an interest in the subject of Bigfoot. So a fascinating, we had a, a call last night and it was, it's, it's a good time because it was like, they're really interested in Bigfoot. And, and I, I'm just like floored that, that uh, we have the opportunity to talk to these folks that, and, and compare notes about, you know, what do you know? What do you think these, um, if Bigfoot is real and some of us on in the group know for a fact that it is real and, you know, I haven't had the confirmation experience yet, but it's it just it's just fun to to uh, have contact with people outside the immediate Bigfoot world and and talk about the subject. So with me today is is my good friend Julie Wrench. Julie, thanks for coming in from the beach to uh, record an episode of Monster X. Sure, <clears throat> absolutely. So How you doing? Our sub, I, you know, I'm doing great. Um, I've been out schlepping coffee, so um, I'm not going to slurp it like uh, David Boozer does on PacWest Bigfoot. But um, oh. I'm going to, I am going to let people know that, that you know, you, it does exist. Even That's even good. though we don't know yet, you know, our subject today is is about what needs to happen to solve the mystery of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've. Uh, had the the pleasure of of having some of our friends on TV in the Finding Bigfoot series and 
and that's coming to an end. There's one more, as I understand, I think there's one more episode um, that took place down in Willow Creek. They, they filmed it last year sometime. A bunch of Bigfooters showed up. Um, I believe Bob Gimlin was there and it's kind of, you know, the last hurrah. It's, so after nearly, I think seven years they've been on the air, which I can hardly believe, um, finding Bigfoot is right. uh, coming to an end and, and they didn't find him. And I know that they had some uh, near calls I, from, you know, your your state, North Carolina, is where the phrase, there's something on the hill came from when they were over there <laughs> That's right. um, That's investigating the, the Mike Green footage. And, uh, and that also was the, the occasion when uh, Cliff believes that he saw a Bigfoot through, through a thermal, that the, the thing that was on the hill actually, Cliff believes, was actually a Bigfoot. Um, so congratulations to those guys for um, mm-hmm. having done this for this long. And, and you know, it's, it, it's funny that I, I hear people bash the show and, and, and the folks that are on it, and, and people, I think, don't understand the difference between a show that's made for entertainment that's on TV. They have different kind of parameters, and, you know, it's not exactly what those uh, people that research necessarily do, um, but it, the town halls were always great. Uh-huh. Um, Cliff and Bobo, you know, are, are out in the field all the time. Mm-hmm. Cliff's like wild man. He's out um, – He'll go out by himself. He, I think, he prefers being out by himself. Um, and and of course, Matt Moneymaker, who you know, kind of is the um, the villain on the show, for lack of a better word. Either either Matt or, or Renee are the the villain because Renee's the you know the scientist that that uh, you can't you explains away anything that that ever has been found about Bigfoot, at least Renee on the show. Failure. Right, and that's, you know, everybody's, it's a TV show, and it's interesting, because I've, I've said for a while that, you know, basically that Finding Bigfoot, I, I appreciate the fact that it raised awareness on the subject. Uh, I've had a lot of people approach me with their stories and their of their encounters and stuff that may not have done that otherwise. It's just, I, I have referred to Finding Bigfoot as basically this generation's, you know, in search of. Um, it. What do you think about finding Bigfoot? What's your opinion, Julie? Um, I think that, like you, the town halls were was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, how many people would come out to those? And I think it was important to bring awareness for for people who have had encounters who didn't want to, you know, say anything to anybody, and then. You know, here comes the town hall, and maybe it's there's more people there that are like them, so they'd be more apt to maybe share their story. So, in that aspect, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, yeah. Like you said, it is it is for TV, and there's there's things the producers want in there that you may not particularly 100% agree with doing, but it is a show, and you sign up for it. You know, and, you know, certain things like when Bobo wore the dress, I, I kind of don't think that he would have wrote his own show to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the entertainment aspect of it. So, and I, I did watch the show 
it was entertaining. Um, and Matt Moneymaker, a lot of people, you know, I hear them say somewhat negative things about him, but, you know, love him or hate him, Matt Moneymaker's brought a lot to the table for the, BF, you know, Bigfoot investigation world. And he's the founder of BFRO. You know, he has brought a lot to the table. So I give him, give him all credit for going out there and doing that, you know, because they knew what they were they were going to get into the the haters and the bashers and you know they just kind of let it roll off their back and but uh it did certainly bring awareness i mean they had the the show it was actually the third episode on the first season was when they came to the uari and uh like you said that there was something on the hill and <laughs> matt took off running after it in the dark and if I recall that episode, Bobo and Renee and Cliff are all like, why are you running after it? And he's like, well, you have to, to see what it is. You know, it was, it was entertaining, but there was something on the hill that night. And it, it was, uh, you know, it, it obviously didn't have any clothes on because the, the uh, body temperature was all one color. So, I mean, I don't. I I thought it was interesting. Um, I wish that they would do another show. You know, I wish the producer would invest some money in equipment and different things that it takes to have people out there and you know have have them out there six to eight weeks, solid straight out six to eight weeks, and yeah, fund that one location. Right. Right. You know, it'd be awesome to, but see, that's to most people would be boring because, you know, doesn't necessarily well, now make great doing? TV. Yeah, right. real bigfooting. I've always said that. I like, you know, real bigfooting probably wouldn't make a great TV show necessarily. I mean, if you went into the same area for any period of time and and that was, you know, well, nothing happened today. You know, there was always the 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 cut to the the commercial when something interesting happened and so many times they <laughs> they played that roar over the top of whatever you know they had heard uh it, it yeah there were some frustrating things about about the show um i remember because i actually was on the show a couple different times um at the end of season one they did this town hall well a lot of the early on particularly you know they seated those a call would go out to bfro members and like we're having an event you know here, can you show up? We're, we're filming an episode of Finding Bigfoot, and they filmed it at a, a pizza place down outside of Eugene, Oregon. And I went down, and I actually asked a question. And I got to, you know, you got to see behind the scenes of how TV, a TV show was actually kind of put together because everything was scripted. You know, none of the, none of the questions that were asked were spontaneous. They handed us, you know, a slip of paper, ask this question. So mm-hmm. it was it was fun to, to do it, and you know nothing is filmed in the same order as what shows up in the mm-hmm. in TV. They film what uh-huh. they have a, a production schedule, and they know what they're going to need. It and and then uh, I know that Shane was in the same episode that I was up up in uh, when they did Oregon versus Washington, and uh, Shane and I actually were mm-hmm. up in Washington uh, near a Skookum Meadows Meadows with uh, and they split it into guys and girls and, and uh, she and I, of course, were with uh, Matt Moneymaker. I knew Matt 
you know, I was a member of the BFRO for a number of years and uh, an investigator and went out and did the, I call it ambulance chasing. You know, it's, there's, va- of uh-huh. course, there's value in, in historical reports, but the, the odds of having something replicated, you know, the, when you're, when you show up um, to investigate and talk to a witness are, are slim. So, but I, I, I do, of course, value the, the historical reports. It gives us data. But um, eventually I found an area that, that seems to have some active activity. Um, and uh, along with Shane and, and some other folks, Larry Turner and Cindy Goodell, and we uh, formed a little group in this, in this area, and, uh, the Tillamook Forest Research Group. And, and that area, because of, of how much um, different weird things we've had happen in it, and, and it has a history of, of Bigfoot sightings, both on the BFRO and, and ones that we've, with people that we've come in contact since. Um, I, I just thought it for me, it was a, it was, I like the idea of, of going somewhere and maybe my, of course my goal is still to have a class a, you know, daytime sighting. Um, of course I don't want the one that, or, you know, Bigfoot's pushing down in your tent. I, I could do without that oh, one. Lord. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, a good, a clear daytime sighting. Hopefully, I'm wearing my GoPro, you know, at the time. But um, I, it was just was time. I appreciated the the BFRO for the camaraderie and and a lot of it's interesting. A lot of people have come in and you know left the BFRO either either of their own volition or or they've been out escorted out the door. Um, <laughs> but it's you know I I had Matt I was on a BFRO expedition in New Mexico and had Mr. Moneymaker right around with me during that whole time, so um, he and I were pals. I mean it uh, you know we're not we're not super tight now. I haven't haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, he's he is what he is. He's a big personality. Mm-hmm. Um, some people you know you take him or or leave him. He, I know that he's he's uh, in the process of trying to do a a new show on Bigfoot with the the First Nations perspective um something that our own uh, Tom Seawood has has been working on you know has done um for quite a while he's you know produced some he's been on television up in in Canada he's been on mysterious uh oh other shows here in America the names might escape me at the you know at the moment but uh He's been active and, and he is, you know, he is a member of the First Nations up in on Vancouver Island and he's done a lot of that. And, and that's something that he's bringing um, to the table with uh, in his Sasquatch Island episodes that he's doing mm-hmm. as a member of Monster X in, uh, in the exclusive area. So if you like Thomas and you like his storytelling style and, and his perspective, you, you need to go in exclusive. He is, he, he's very prolific at, uh, uh, popping out episodes. He's, uh, sits down and he'll send me two or three to put up at a time. So, um, he's been very active going out in, in the field recently. I know that he had some, was out last weekend, um, took some, uh, people out in, in, a, an area that, that he knows has had activity in the past. And they and his 
he came back and was, has told us that, you know, he had a sighting right there in, in that area, like within 80 feet that he saw a Bigfoot looking around a tree. Um, could describe it enough, you know, that, that it didn't have, he, he described it as a 25 year old just because, you know, it, that it's not an old one and, and based on what he could see. So, and he wasn't the only one apparently that, that saw the same creature. So um, I'm jealous, uh, envious uh-huh. that uh, <laughs> they're out there, they're having that experience. But, uh, and I've been out with, with Tom in the, the field. We did, did uh, Operation Sea Monkey, you know, a while back with uh, Todd Neese and some other folks. Ron Moorhead was there and, and uh, Tom, of course, Thomas. Your, your man crush. Thomas Thomas Steenberg was was also there. And it was a great time. It's an interesting mix of people, you know. We don't all share the same perspective of of what the um, type of uh, creature that that Bigfoot might be. But that that goes without saying in the Bigfoot world is that that, uh, there's, there's, you know, there's wild ends of the spectrums. There's, you know, pure physical biological, one-dimensional, which is where I can sit. I mean, I do sit. That's, uh, I don't think the Bigfoot is, is paranormal in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, the thing is, is everything is speculative. And then you got uh-huh. people on the other end that, that Bigfoot has, you know, got these attributes that, that no other known animal has and, and uh, they're aware of unless, you know, unless rabbits or, or deer or elk um, can phase in and out of this, uh, Uh this dimension. That's, I just, you know, we talk about that, that uh, Rene de Hinden used the phrase, you know, uh, you can't, don't solve a mystery with another mystery. That was one of his go-to lines. And I I think he probably used a lot harsher language. I'm sure of describing people that uh, he, he probably would, He's got to be shaking his head at what he's yeah. you know, what you see now. The hand in his. Yeah. And I understand why people would want to um, think that they are some type of interdimensional being because, like, for example, these tracks people find, there's three or four, you know, prints, and then boom, nothing. And it's in the mud, and there's still mud that you know goes away yet so why does it just stop like that my opinion Good is question. why why couldn't it have took off running on all fours and you're not seeing the same type of print anymore yeah they, they do i think people take off on all fours. right i mean there's and that my understanding of of big the bigfoot phenomenon what they how their behavior is has evolved over time. It hasn't evolved to the degree that, you know, that they're wearing a cape and they're part of the Avengers. But, uh, you know, you never used to hear about them being on all fours or up in trees or, but that those are behaviors that, that uh, have been reported. Um, And, you know, the more exposure to reports that you get you get a bigger picture of what what your the potential of what this creature could do you know just because you see footprints and then there's none 
uh, it's always interesting is how little of the the forest actually is good for making footprints. I mean, it takes a particular kind of substrate to, substrate to get that perfect toes and heel and uh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. mid tarsal break as it's described. And uh, you know, it does that. Most of the forest does not is not conducive to leaving that kind of no. good evidence. No. Um, so you are, and, I tell you, the whole ground is covered in leaves and pine needles. Right. And there, uh, the thing is, is there's always, there's almost always another footprint. It's just, where is it? It's off, you know, mm-hmm. it went from this substrate to that substrate. And, mm-hmm. and most, most people that are Bigfoot, quote unquote, Bigfoot researchers, I don't think, have developed the skill of tracking to the degree that they would recognize, you know, so they, they have to come up with another explanation. Right. I I understand. And I tell you that the, what they call woo phenomena um, really took off in the nineties, which was when, the internet kicked in and there was a lot of the new age stuff going on on the internet. And I think it kind of overlapped with the Bigfoot world. I mean, there was some of it going on in the seventies. Uh, of course, Renee DeHendon was wise to it. And, uh, but it really took off in the nineties when the internet took off with the internet groups and the, you know, the chat groups and the the chat rooms and this and that and I think it's just um, you get a group of people together with the same mindset um, and and that's kind of how that happens sometimes they, you, you got to watch what you believe you know but just because well, somebody easy. says so doesn't mean it's so right and there's um, it so if, I guess for this show, the Mm -hmm. idea was, you know, we've had Finding Bigfoot. They didn't come back with uh, exclusive, exclusive, conclusive evidence of their existence. Um, And going forward, what is it that we, as a a research community of comprised largely of, of citizen scientists, what is it that we can, how can we go about What's the best route for us to um, prove these things exist if they do? I and I, I you know, I, I joke and say that I'm 99 point mm-hmm. that I have because I haven't had the confirmation experience. But I obviously I'm compelled to to continue to investigate them and and people like our good friend Shane, you know, Derek Randall's, Todd Neese, Thomas Seawood. These you know these are people that have had um, concrete encounters that they've seen them and then they they know they exist. It isn't a matter of do they exist or not. I always talk about this doorway of people. You know, when you've had an encounter, you step through that doorway from are they to what are they, mm-hmm. and and that affects different people different ways. And some people it turns into hardcore researchers that they're searching for answers of how could this thing have been out there this you know this whole time and and we can't haven't uh, proved they exist, but that's that's been the case with every large discovery, you know, like gorillas and 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 we're finding 
you know, new species all the time. What's kind of unique about, I think, the Bigfoot phenomenon, and correct me if, if you disagree, is that, you know, it's because of the size and, and it's in, and now people think because of technology that we should have conclusive proof, you know, that there should have been a body found by now. There's a, there, um, that, and, and some implications, I think, of, of this kind of creature being out there and, and existing with, without uh, our being able to determine conclusively that they exist. It's, it's an interesting puzzle, you know, mm-hmm. but I, again, it goes to what, how, how smart they are. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the conversations that, that I have with people about, well, we're talking about probably the smartest uh, animal in the woods and and probably the least populous animal in the woods. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Julie? <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you, and I think that they are so um, they're so stealthy in their environment that I honestly think that people could walk right past them and not even see them if that's what they chose to to happen, because they can use every resource around them to camouflage themselves. And I'm sure people have walked right past them. I'm sure I have. Up in Uari, you know. (laughs) Um, And it it can give me a little bit of a creepy feeling. Um, You know, like Jeff, my research partner and life partner, he's been all over all kinds of jungles and Panama and the mountains everywhere. And, you know, when he was in the service and being an Army Ranger, they went into a lot of different areas and, He's like, I never saw anything like that. So he's now he's thinking, hmm, you know, um, what if I walked right past one? But he he really honestly doesn't think he did because you know he's an army ranger. So you can't outsmart them. But well, I you know now he's just, thinking, yeah. wow, maybe uh, if if we know those those. Um, secrets of how to be stealth and people walk right past us and not see us why can't they be that way because they are you know they're masters of their environment exactly i agree with that yeah i always think when you know how many times i've been out in the woods and and i always like draw this circle like okay how i have this vision of so i'm i'm here at point a or x how far out would I have to go in any, you know, in, in what would be the distance I would have to go before I'd, I'd run into a Bigfoot. You know, it was a, I'm sure there's probably times it's been a, you know, a quarter mile. It could be less. I think there's been some times with some of the stuff that's happened that I can't explain by known animals that it, it may have been, if it was Bigfoot related, it was much closer than, uh, than that. And, you know, but anytime you go out in the woods, it's, like how close are you to deer, elk, bear, the nearest mm-hmm. cougar, and right. then whatever else is out there. And there's something out there that's uh, been leaving footprints and and other sign. Um, you know, this the idea that this could be some mass psychosis or it's in our our psyche from the boogeyman. I just don't buy. I mean, there's because mm-hmm. the, the boogeyman doesn't leave behind physical evidence. Right. You know, that's. Um, that's right. Yeah, uh, the boogeyman isn't leaving footprints, isn't leaving 
uh, hair samples and DNA samples. And it's, you know, I, I, so as far as proving they exist at, at this point, I think the, we're probably as close as we've ever been. Um, and I've always said, you know, it, it's, it's going to come down to uh, conclusive proof is going to require a, a specimen live or dead or a long-term research study that where everything's documented to the nth degree that you have multiple DNA samples, you have very clear photograph and, and uh, video evidence, you know, that it, that, and it isn't, it isn't a case where there's a single photograph with some shadows that, you know, and there's some, and I see people put up stuff and yeah, there could be something in there, but it, 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 it isn't, uh, definitive, you know, and uh-huh. until we get those many pictures um, and, and any single photograph that that's, is going to be um, difficult to um, to validate, you know, what it's going to take take multiple pieces from from multi, either multiple witnesses in the same area or or multiple witnesses. And all of a sudden, we get you know fifteen Bigfoot videos that are are very clear and they all look similar and you know it it's just it's still the needle in the haystack deal you know people argue about about game cameras i don't think i think we're we're looking for a specimen live or dead or a long-term research study that's Mm -hmm. that's scientifically documented and that means with dna that means with photographs audio whatever you can can garner from an area. And I, you know, I hear these people that say that they have multiple contact and they have, um, they're either quote unquote habituating, which means uh-huh. uh, that <clears throat> the Bigfoots don't fear them anymore and come at, at will, or they, or they can walk to where they are. I mean, I'm just, where's the evidence. And I, and I understand that not everybody that, that is out there researching Bigfoot um, their goal isn't isn't to prove they exist. Um, some people are just out there to have a uh, anecdotal experience. You know, oh yeah, I, I saw Bigfoot, or but the like-minded individuals who are looking, whose goal is to confirm the species for whatever reason, be it to protect them or protect their environment, um, it or or just to satisfy their own curiosity, mm-hmm. it that requires um, evidence, hard evidence that can be vetted. That is, you know, um, the closest thing that I'm I'm aware of at the moment is is the Olympic Project's nest nesting pro, ongoing nesting project, and, and we talk about that a lot on here on the show, um, and. Because because it's exciting and because we're also close to it, both Shane and I are, are members of the mm-hmm. Olympic project. And and I've been been to the site a number mm-hmm. of times. Shane has been there many, many times. And uh, that now has progressed to the to the point that that ground samples were taken mm-hmm. along with nesting material and, and that's in the process of being vetted. Um, the, this new newer technology eDNA processing is is being applied to this project 
hopefully before mm-hmm. too long, there'll be some results of, you know, what comes back from that. There's already been, and again, I'm always, what's the context of evidence? You know, a, a single picture, it, even you showed, and I've, I uh, saw some, some uh, interesting pictures recently that were shared with me by uh, Mr. Todd Neese. And Todd and I are going to sit down and talk about that investigation, what happened, how that uh, went about the process and what they found. And, and there are some folks that are in the big that were, that were out, you know, snowmobiling and, and saw something and took some pictures, interesting uh-huh. pictures, not conclusive. Uh, you know, again, it look, you, you see something that looks like there's something there, but uh it's it's not enough to like it's it's not the you know glamour shot of Bigfoot, mm-hmm. but but still there's enough of that kind of stuff that and not all of it a lot of it doesn't make it to the public forum. Um, again, I I'm of the opinion that uh, and I I know this to be probably a fact <laughs> is that Bigfoot will not be proven on Facebook or in social media. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know this the the Nest project mm-hmm. there's already been some. Uh, there's been hairs pulled out of it that mm-hmm. have been analyzed. Um, Shane has become a master of, of getting hair out of these this material. And and Cindy Dosen, who's also a member of the Olympic Project and who has uh, developed a skill for identifying hair and, and matching it with known animals. And then she also has a, a catalog of of interesting hair, hair that does not match anything that's known. And there's uh-huh. been some of the hairs that, that have been sent in have come back to match uh, these unknown hairs. Does that mean Bigfoot? Obviously, unless you pluck a hair off of a Bigfoot right now, it's it's not likely that that's, you know, you can, can't really say. I've had stuff that has happened to me I can't explain uh, by any other known animal vocalizations uh-huh. and and yeah. a rock, what I think was a rock was tossed at, and some weird being followed at night in the pitch black with some weird percussion sound that we've, you know, we, that has a weird signature when you look at it in in uh, a spectrogram or spectrograph. And uh, but none of that can I, I can say, you know, definitively was was caused by was associated with Bigfoot. Could have been. Um, I don't know. I can say a lot of things that it wasn't, but, uh, and that's where he, a lot of what, ha- what we get in, in Bigfoot research is exclusionary evidence means we can tell you what it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't a rabbit, it right. wasn't a squirrel or a <laughs> chipmunk or a, a deer. Um, and, but we can't because we didn't can't associate it directly with a Bigfoot visual encounter that you can't say, well, this is Bigfoot. Now you can look at some things that, that are in the record of, of anecdotal reports um, and, and compare things that happened to you with those reports, including vocalizations and, uh, and auditor, you know, what's reported as tree knocks or, or uh, screams and, you know, rock throwing and, and that kind of stuff. You can compare your experience to that. And, and maybe it looks, you know, and then you might find that 
wow, I I had experience that that more than likely it probably was a Bigfoot because uh, I can't explain it. You know, I can't explain it. It's not deer, elk. I I unless deer or elk or bear or cougar are running around with you know fake footprint foots on their leaving uh, human-like footprints. Um, I'll have to tell you, I'll get to that story in a second, <laughs> but cause I, I had a, I've had people tell me about their experiences of going out and putting fake footprints and like, yeah, I'm sure that's, that does happen. But, uh, I think it's, it, this comes down to, uh, if we could ever fund a, a long-term project that had the right equipment, the right people in the right location, I think we'd get, I think we'd get some answers. I think we'd, um, and we've had things like that, 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 uh, look promising. Um, the Falcon projects comes to mind. You know, I was never enamored with the, the, uh, whole blimp idea. Uh, but I, well, if you, you know, if you could add aerial surveillance to a ground project, um, that'd be ideal. Obviously, if you, you know, cause you can cover a lot more ground and if you have the right, um, technology that you could uh, uh, attach to a, an aerial device. Um, but, but it still would, I think it still have to come down to boots on the ground. You could get a, an aerial picture of something moving on the ground. I don't think it's going to be sufficient to, to prove to uh, anybody that, that Bigfoot exists. I think you're going to have to have, again, people on the ground. Great. If you got some in the air, but, but in a location for a sufficient amount of time. And I mean, interesting enough, there were people that, that had committed to participating in that, um, the Falcon project that actually went out and had some, actually had some experiences in the area. I, I believe it was directly in the area where they had planned on doing this. You know, if, if you're not familiar with the Falcon project, look it up on online, Mr. Google will tell you, about uh-huh. it but there was the idea was to keep um a field team out there for an extended period of time i know that the initial group i believe committed to three either three or six months um of being out and then um having um supplies brought out to them and um if they you know they were going to attempt to uh, gather gather evidence in a particular area and if that they, that was fruitless. They were going to move to another area. Um, you know, I, that, that's my dream job is to go out with a group of people and, and spend, you know, three, six, whatever amount of time that it, it would take and not have to come back um, to collect evidence on, on Bigfoot. I mean, would you, would that be something you'd be interested in, Julie? Uh, yeah, actually, um Jeff and I have been talking about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, since I live so close to the URE, we're going to start doing some long-term overnight stays there in the tent um, and see what happens, you know, like every night that we can possibly be out there and doing some daytime investigating, of course. But I think just pitching a tent in the same spot um, that we know that there's current activity at. Um, mm-hmm. I think that by doing that, once we get back from vacation, 
<laughs> you know, we got to get that taken care of first. But that's something we've been talking about doing. And, you know, we, we certainly could do it because where we want to go is only 25 minutes from our house. So that's something that we could very much do and, um, you know, take a lot of commitment and, and a lot of um, planning to do that. And we can just, you know, go back to the house and take care of the cats and, you know, but it, it's going to take a lot to do that because, you know, we have the farm to take care of. We don't have any animals, so to speak, out on the farm, but when you have 10 acres, um, there's always something that needs mowed and, and, fences that need patched up and just all kinds of stuff going on but it's something we definitely are talking about doing and I think that we could pull it off well and and I don't know if how many people are familiar I mean I know that the members of exclusive and I'm a, I'm going to drop the exclusive again but uh, you actually have some interesting audio that that you recorded um, from mm-hmm. your property um, you guys are very yeah. close to the Awari and, you are, yeah. um, and but but obviously, if you haven't heard about it yet, it, it must not have happened because it wasn't on Facebook. But but seriously, that right, you, know, right. It, you actually have done uh, the the initial field report for exclusive, and that that's part of uh, the membership thing. But uh, right, and, and I have you actually a have lot that. of clips. Yeah, and, and you've and you've gotten more subsequent to that, but you're going through a process with that of of having it vetted by um, David Ellis of the Olympic Project, mm-hmm. who has has spent a lot of time listening to audio and and watching audio, mm-hmm. um, and he is David is a, a a huge asset to the Bigfoot community. I know there's some other folks that that also um, analyze audio for other groups. Um, David was kind enough to to do that for uh, the mics from from Ohio mm-hmm. with the, the night yeah. stalkers that they're on a show. Yeah, that we're on a show. We did two shows with them because there was the initial talking about what they had had happened, and then um, in the interim, um, you arranged for David to to uh, review their audio, and then the second show was a talking about the results of that and. You know, that the, the quick thing would be for those guys to run to Facebook and put it up and say, look, we heard Bigfoot. And in the context of their, their uh, how they collected the audio, the experience around that um, is very fascinating. In fact, um, there was a visual encounter that was associated with that whole incident. Mm-hmm. Always more right. compelling to me when, when the witnesses have multiple corroborating pieces of evidence. You know, hearing I've heard stuff in the woods, weird howls. I've heard something that actually at one time sounded a lot like the roar on on the Finding Bigfoot show, and like that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. But unless you you know go through you you record it and then you vet it, it it basically is just it's it's valuable in in the experience that you have, but it isn't valuable to solving the the mystery. It that takes collection of evidence as much as you can, and then having that evidence actually processing it in a scientific as a scientific way as possible, and what that you know what that entails being. In the case of audio, it isn't just what you can hear; it's what you can see. Right. It's comparing yeah. it to a, the file of of audio of known animals versus 
okay. And, and the best we can hope for at this point in the case of audio is we can eliminate all known animals. So, and now we're down to it's either we recorded an, an audio of, of something that uh, is a known animal that's a, that isn't in the library already, or it's, uh, it's something that isn't in the library because it's not an animal that's been confirmed. Um, and that's, that's, that's where we get down to the, but as far as for, you know, solving, solving the mystery, one, um, it could be the, the interesting thing, it could be solved tomorrow because a log truck driver could be driving down the road and, and yeah. hit when the is, you know, and, and the black, the men in black don't show up fast enough to, to recover the body. And you know, uh, yeah. that, that's just for your conspiracy yeah. folks out there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know, that it could be that simple. Um, again, it could be that uh, otherwise it's going to take this concerted effort and, and a coming together of, of some members of the big, Bigfoot community going out and, and exp- expending that time and energy and, and finance, of course, to, to uh, stay in a location long enough to um, come back with something definitive that whatever that is you know if you come back with a baby right. bigfoot you're probably being chased at that point but uh, yeah that's right well the problem <laughs> you know. with where we're at um with all the recordings that i'm getting um you know the the different areas that it's coming from it's out in the woods but that is all private property and you don't go roaming around people's private property you know there's there's people that own hundreds of acres of woods around that area and I can't just walk into the woods where I'm hearing that come from try to walk towards what that is because I don't want shot. <laughs> that is you know the downside. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know that what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yeah, well, I, I do. I absolutely the do. Best thing, <laughs> the best thing that we suck. Jeff and yeah. I can do is since I am right there at the URE and we know that they've been sighted in the URE um, and I'm pretty much thinking that they're not, you know, they may not be living back in those areas close to our property. Maybe they're just passing through that area at night while they're hunting or whatever. So the best thing we can do is go to where you can pitch a tent and stay there every night. Now see the URE, you can pitch a tent anywhere in the URE that's owned by the National Force. You do not have to stay in the camp sites. You can go out in the middle of the woods anywhere and pitch your tent. And that's the glory we, yeah, of the URE. When we don't have that luxury here in Oregon, I think there's there's a lot of places where you have to stay in a designated um, yeah. campsite. So, so we have I, this particular area that we've been um, you know, doing a lot of daytime investigating and, and talking to people that live there in that area out in the woods that have heard all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, I said it before in the show, a person that lives back there won't even go outside after dark. And when they do go out on their property during the day, they're carrying a gun because they hear this stuff all the time. So that's kind of where we're thinking we're going to pitch our tent is on the outside of their property, which is actually the URE forest, 
so that, you know, we have the right to, to park our tent there. And well, the just interesting keep it is, this has been, for, this has for been a long process for you guys. I mean, because you've now been back in North Carolina for, what, a, about a year? And, yeah, and now, you know, you kind of – because, I mean, part of it is life gets in the way of, of Bigfoot. Yeah, life you know, does get in the way. And when we first moved there, there was obviously it, – it had been empty. This place had been empty for over a year. So there was a lot that we had to do to to get it up to where, you know, we wanted it. And house needed painting. And so, yeah, you get all these things you need to do. Um, but right now, what we did was spend a lot of time over there during the day learning the terrain – um, you know, looking for any type of clues that something bipedal and large had been walking in those areas, um, doing some investigating and research on where the most recent sightings were, you know, um, doing the topographical maps and finding out where all the creeks are and those kind of things. So we just felt it was important to learn that area as, as well as we could before we just go in there in the middle of the night, you know, and pitch a tent and fall off the side of a cliff, you know. Um, right. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And now we're at that point where if we want to move forward with doing weeks at a time overnights, we can because mm-hmm. we feel we know the area well enough now. And we know uh, where you don't want to go walking at night and, and where it's safe. Well, again, it comes, you know, it, even better than the idea of having a singular uh, expedition, you know, the, the word expedition is thrown around very loosely. Um, I, most of what I, people describe as an expedition is actually an outing, you know, uh, a weekend of out looking for Bigfoot in the woods. And I don't mean to disparage anybody, what's anybody's efforts because they're, that's a lot of what this comes down to is is uh-huh. citizen scientists, people that weekend warriors going out into the woods and doing the best they can because because they we all have, you know, lives outside of big footing. Um, but going out and going out for two two or three days, you know, with a, a large group, the BFRO expeditions for the most part are outings. I've I've been on them. I've it and it Things have ha- have happened during some of those uh, um, those outings, but as far as when I'm talk when I say expedition, I I think long term, deep in the forest, not coming back on Monday, you know, and and that being sustained for a, a period of time until you get the results. When you go out, you know, when they go out uh, hunting in the Amazon for unknown animals or or to document. Um, animal behavior it isn't it isn't a weekend thing it's it's extensive and ideally um if we could do one in one area it'd be better if we had several in several areas that were ongoing projects now there are you know there's the north american wood ape conservancy i believe that's i'm saying that right you know they they have an, an area that they're they're monitoring and have been for a number of years and and again they've had some interesting things happen they have not come back with conclusive, you know, proof that Bigfoot exists, but they're going about it in a very methodical, um, long-term, big-picture way. And if we could have projects, mm-hmm. we have the Olympic project up in Washington that's doing similar work. It's just mm-hmm. very, it's very slow. It isn't, you know, uh, 
Bigfoot doesn't generally come in. There's some interesting Bigfoot stories out of the Olympic project that I'm aware of. And I know out of uh, Nawak as well, but the more of those kind of projects in one particular area where there's Bigfoot activity, you know, we have, we have stories from the Tillamook forest to Tillamook state forest here in Oregon. But again, no, we, it's interesting how it started out is very, you know, not that scientific. We were out having Bigfoot outings and had some anecdotal, great anecdotal stories. Eventually we had some, a couple of our members that, that had sightings up there. Um, and we've had a lot of weird, like I said, weird stuff happen, but uh, we again have not, you know, initially we were just weekend warriors going out. I don't think we were, we were doing it the right way. We weren't documenting, you know, every uh, aspect of, of what was going on up there. So the more of that we can do, and if, and of course, if we were going up, you know, if we were lucky, we got up there uh, Thursday night and we were able to come back on Sunday, you know. So it's, again, it, one of the challenges with, with Bigfoot research is it's all pretty much being conducted on, on the dime of the individual researchers. Right. Um, that's a limitation. Mm-hmm. And time is another limitation. When we can put together, you know, a group of, again, right people, right equipment, right place with being able to be out there for the duration. And, and, and lots of names pop into my head of who, who, who would be great to participate in that. Um, But uh, I I think that's what it's going to take to, to actually solve this mystery. Again, it could be solved tomorrow by a log truck driver hitting one. Um, right. I just hope that they call me. They know nobody. They know somebody that I know, and that they call me, so I get get to see it before the Men in Black uh, show up. <laughs> but what do you what do you that. think? We're getting close to the end of you know. But what do you, final thoughts, Julie? Well, I think that the more people that are out there doing just that. I mean, when you start, like with the hair collection, people that are out there collecting the hair, taking the the footprints, doing the cast, when you get enough hair collected and people do run them for DNA tests, and then you have all these people that have DNA that doesn't match known animals, but it matches other people's unknown DNA, you know, I think that's important because to have that on file and if for for some reason if a body part's found or a piece of bone something like that is found and then let's say all that unknown dna matches that specimen that's going to break everything wide open you know like if you have Mm -hmm. samples from all you know 48 states that are I don't think they have them on Hawaii. They may have them in Alaska. I I have heard about that. But what I'm saying is if we have enough um, unknown DNA that matches a known specimen at some time, then it's going to be like, hey, they've been in all of these states in America this full time, and and nobody has uh, been able to prove it. But, But now we can just by that one thing. So I think it's important that people collect hair samples. I think it's important they collect cast because there's dermal ridges in that. I don't know that you can fake dermal ridges. Um, but I just think everybody that can needs to get out there and, and just do what they can 
you know, to get the documentation and there's all kinds of equipment now. The price is coming down, some of the, the flurs. Um and just do recording, you know, record what you can and so I think it's doable and I think that uh perhaps in my lifetime we will see that these things are proven to exist. I agree. I did want to um, let people know about Hominid Enigma, which, excuse me, is is Sidney Dawson's. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you come across um, unknown hair that you can associate with some kind of of Sasquatch encounter, Bigfoot encounter. Excuse me, I had to mute myself. I was coughing. Um, Cindy Dawson will uh, analyze that hair to her database. So I would encourage you to get a hold of Cindy if if uh, you come across something, and don't send her just every hair that you find in the woods. Right, right. And and I think that um, what we should probably do is write a blog here real soon about what she does and uh, post it on our Monster X site. That way, people you know go ahead and get that information posted out there. Absolutely. And and if you we're getting close to the running out of time, it's funny because we actually plan to get together um, outside of recording the shows and say what are we gonna you know what are our subject this time and and uh, I I like the idea of, of talking about one I you know a moment of silence for the end of Finding Bigfoot, but also <laughs> just the idea of of uh, this is the kind of conversation I have with my friends uh, my Bigfoot friends outside of doing it on on the podcast is you know what what do we need to do <laughs> you know this has been going on for uh, a long time and 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 are we any closer and sometimes it's you know it doesn't feel like it but uh, it and it never feels like it on social media but right. uh, if you if you haven't looked at uh, monster exclusive um, if it seems like something that's that's cool to you, go to our website, monsterxradio.com. You'll see the exclusive button. Basically, we've got uh, four different, you know, new shows that, that are exclusive to member, to folks that decide to to uh, join the subscribe. Um, and that's just the start of what we're, we're trying to, we're, we're actually trying to create a, the, the go-to place for Bigfoot information. And what one of the things that's unique about Monster X is the four of us that, that are the host are actually active Bigfoot researchers. We're out in the field uh, looking for answers for and trying to collect evidence. And, and, and we're, we, we wanted to ha- have that opportunity to share that, the stuff inside of uh, with, with folks that are really like-minded and, and uh, willing to, you know, join us on, on the inside. I like to call it, you know, we're, we've got to, it's kind of like the, the lounge, the Bigfoot lounge, come on in and we'll sit down and talk about <laughs> one of the things that we, you know, we have with exclusive is a exclusive Facebook group that is just for members. And, and we lot have had quite a few people that have, have joined us in there. Um, again, I, Julie, I want to thank you for, uh, taking coming up off the beach. Uh, I know you're on vacation. Um, Shane is actually on his way to San Diego. He's taking a little time off. He's going to hang out with uh, Adam Davis down there. Uh, awesome. And, 
Yeah, so uh, Thomas is actually out um, on the water this weekend uh, up off of Vancouver Island looking, you know, looking in his area where he's had a lot of experience and, and some experiences. Um, again, thanks everybody for listening to Monster X. We appreciate every one of you that, that uh, come up and tell us when we do get to see you at events and stuff that you appreciate what, what, uh, that we're not just talking to dead air. Uh, but, uh, yeah. if you feel so inclined, you know, go check out exclusive. We hope to see you on the inside, uh, until next week when we'll have a new episode on Sunday, uh, have a great week and uh, keep it squatchy. Thanks, Julie, again for for uh, yes. chatting Thank with you. me. We're having a good time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.